All right. Come on, you haven't seen each other since last week. Can you hurry it up? So uh, as we get started, I just I want to make uh, a couple of comments, share a couple thoughts about Roe v. Wade and some stuff going on right now with Supreme Court and I guess, you know, the leak that happened that's been all over the news, etc. So, um, and I've had conversations this week with some people that are, you know, fired up, stoked, excited, finally this has happened after, you know, since the 70s we've been praying for this thing to be turned over, and then I've had conversations with a couple of other people very concerned about what does this mean for our nation? What does this mean for our politics? What does it mean for my relationships? What does it mean for women's rights? What it... So it's been interesting as a pastor to walk through this last week in all these conversations, but I want to share just a couple of big picture thoughts that I hope can help us move forward in how to process this, how to pray through this. And, and the first thing is this, um, some states things will change quite a bit. Some states, things won't change, if, if at all, which is interesting. So, so we don't know how this whole thing is going to roll out. Uh, but it's, it's exciting to me, uh, personally, not just because I believe a lot of children will be rescued and saved, but I also believe that a lot of conversations about sanctity of life will happen. And I think that the Lord is up to something bigger than just abortion, if I could say that in that way. I believe that there's something else that's happening where we as believers are going to have a role that's elevated to say, what does sanctity of life really mean? And, and does it end when a child is born? And the answer is, the answer is, no. It doesn't end when, when the child is born because that's one of the, the discussion points that's happening right now between the right and the left is, well, hey, right, you're, you're forcing your way but you don't care about the kid once they're born. We're the ones who care about the kid once they're born. And so my wife, Stacy, works with foster care and adoption and a lot of stuff, and I know some of you have a huge heart for that. And so it's interesting how we actually need both sides of the aisle to work on the whole person, and we need to understand that, we have to understand that uh, life and the importance of life doesn't end once the child is born. It's the whole life that we need to take care of, right? And I don't think the church has been leading that charge very well. So, so that's a piece of what's happening right now. Um, we can't sit on kind of moral high ground and look down on people and go, see, now it's, now it's happening. Now we got it right. We're right. You're wrong. Because if you have conversations like I do with real people out in real life, most people carry hurt over this subject. Anybody who has dealt with uh, the subject of abortion or not in their own family sees this differently than someone who has never had that, had never been faced with those decisions. And there's guilt, there's shame, there's hurt, there's history, there's all kinds of stuff that comes into this conversation. And so if we're just saying, you know, hey, this is great, look how awesome it is, what we got done to you, boom, that's, that's shutting down conversations rather than beginning conversations. And the, the other thing I've noticed over the last couple of years, and it, especially it came, um, came really to the forefront through the last election, uh, is no one likes abortion. So think, let that just percolate in your mind for just a minute. So no one is excited about it. No one feels like, this is awesome. People feel like this is the lesser of two evils. So we have to talk about it in a way that makes sense. 
to people that we may have opposing views with and just say, I know you don't like it, I don't like it. Let's talk about how do we protect uh, babies? How do, when does life begin? That's important. Let's talk about it. How do we protect women? How do we help somebody? So here's something that, that I noticed. I was having a conversation with my kids, and they noticed a lot of picketers at an abortion clinic and somewhere else, and they were talking about the, the signs. I saw one that said this, I'll help. And I was like, that is so much better than you're going to hell. But, but here's the thing. You're going to hell has no cost. That's cheap. I'll help has a cost. That means I'm actually going to come alongside of you and help you however, however you need help. That's how we as believers need to step in, not step away from issues. We need to step in to our culture, into people's lives, and help them through the difficult situations. Right on. Right on. So, so I believe that we're called to sit with people as they're figuring these things out. And we're called to sit with people as they're figuring out what does this all mean and have the conversations. Have, have the 2 a.m. conversation in the jacuzzi with your son or your daughter or your neighbor or your, you know, whoever, coworker about sanctity of life. Why does it matter to you? And what do you feel like the Lord says about it? And that's different than how do you feel about politics. Let's, let's look at the bigger picture. And it's not just about mothers and babies, even though it's Mother's Day today. It affects everybody. It affects everyone in our culture these days. Um, and every child is precious to God. Uh, Psalm 139. Um, and, and, and it's every child is precious to the Lord in the womb. That's what Psalm 139 talks about. The hard part is how do you play that out when, when this practice has been part of our culture for so long? And how do we move forward together as the people of God to have real conversations that don't blast people, but welcome people into what real life means? Right on? Right on. So, um, yeah, I just want to pray for us and pray for me as we move forward into this. And, um, yeah, and, and just know that sometimes what you say to try to be helpful will be misinterpreted. So even what I just said, someone will probably say, like, oh, man, did you hear that? we got to like back, back up from our preconceived notions and our quick judgment and just say, Lord, use us to be voices about life. Right on. right on? So, Lord, we lift up ourselves. We lift up our culture. We lift up our Supreme Court. Uh, we lift up um, the right and the left. We lift up believers all over the country. Help us, Lord, to represent you well. Help us to represent Psalm 139 well, that you knit us together in our mother's womb. And you had plans for us not just to be born, but for every day of our lives. Help us, Lord, to be all about the whole person, born, unborn, uh, young, old, sick, and healthy. Help us, Lord, to love people with your love and do the hard thing. Help us to have conversations. Lord, I ask you to open lots of doors this week, this month, especially for us as believers all over the nation to talk about what it means to really be pro-life to be pro-Jesus, to be pro-eternal life, <laughs> and pro-physical life. And Jesus, we lift up ourselves and our, our thoughts, our actions, and especially our words to you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today is Mother's Day. In case, how many of you, that's a surprise. So for some of you, Mother's Day is like, yes, finally Mother's Day. For some of you, it can be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I know that some of you struggle as moms with your relationship with your kids. 
you're not sure where your kids are with the Lord, and it's Mother's Day gives you a little twinge. I know that some of you have lost loved ones, uh, maybe a mom, maybe a spouse, maybe, a, and this is a difficult Mother's Day. I know that some of you have had trouble having kids. Some of you have had trouble with your kids. So we're all over the map on this. But just for a second, thank God for your mother. Thank God for those who have been mothers in your life, whether they are your biological mother or not. And pray for them. And if you haven't already reached out, send a text, drop a call, drop a card, something to just say, I appreciate you, and happy Mother's Day. And that will be really fun, especially for some women who are not biological moms to receive a yay, thank you for being a mother in my life. God has used you. That, that counts extra credit for those who are not bio moms. Amen. Amen. So um, I wanted to show you a couple snapshots of my mom. Hope that's okay. And uh, she's traveling with my dad a little bit as they are apt to do. She's cute, isn't she? So that's, that's Becky. Her name is Rebecca, which means the ensnarer. Whew. Anyway, there you go. Uh, and here's a, a picture of my wife. And so uh, up in the upper left, she's in Kenya with a bunch of little kids. Now, funny backstory, she's got blonde hair, blue eyes. The kids were terrified of her. So, so they're following her, but notice they're all at a distance because they're like, that lady looks funny. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, but Stacy's over with the, with the preschool today. If, if you're nearby, just go say hi and say thank you because she's over there helping with the kids uh, with Bella and tell her happy Mother's Day. Um, so, so today we're going to look at some snapshots. Those are snapshots. We're going to look at snapshots from the life of the most famous mom in history, which is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she has always been one of my heroes. I don't know about you, maybe you grew up Catholic and she was like, woo, right? And maybe you grew up, you know, pretty conservative evangelical and you're like, who's Mary? But I, I feel like there's, uh, there's something about putting Mary in the right position in our own faith story and understanding the example that she is. And there's one Eastern Orthodox uh, uh, theologian who said it really well, and, uh, and he said, let Mary be an honor, but let all worship go to the Lord. Amen. That's the right thing. We don't worship Mary, but we honor her for her example, for her sacrifice. And she's a heroine and a hero of my faith, and I hope she is of yours too. So in human history, no, no one, man or woman, has received so much honor, uh, so, has been more highly favored than Mary. And so if we look at his, biblical history, we see somebody that, that was really important in our faith story. And why would we not want to learn from that and become more like her if she was this person that God could use in such powerful ways? How, why would we not want to learn more about her? And, and think about this. So 2,000 years ago, she's honored, she's favored, she's going to uh, bear the Messiah, God's going to use her in salvation history. But 2,000 years ago, the plight for women was pretty bad. So if we look at uh, the situation for women 
and, uh, in Judaism 2,000 years ago, we see that some of the rights that women's had, women had in the Old Testament had slipped away. And they had been influenced more by Greek culture than by Scripture. And so the women had, there's a, um, it was not honoring at all the role of a woman in that culture. And uh, Zenua is a, a teaching uh, that taught that a man's life is public and a woman's life is private. And so the rabbis would teach that. And a woman's life was uh, basically confined to the home. And many women didn't even go shopping. So they were stuck, literally barefoot and pregnant. Like that, that was it. Uh, women were not allowed to study Torah. They were usually illiterate. They could not testify in court. Uh, they felt very isolated. Um, and, and some women's, uh, um, there, there's a writing that, that one, of the, um, one of the rabbis wrote about women feeling in prison during this, during this season. And there was a common prayer that said, praise be to God that he has not created me a Gentile, a woman, or an ignorant person. Terrible, terrible situation. But Jesus came and changed all of that. And you notice that he had women with him on the road as part of his ministry. He honored women in his ministry. And the book of Luke is the one that you read if you want to see how much he honored women, how much he valued children, and how much he had a heart for the down and out. So that's the book where you find a bunch of that. And Galatians 4 talks about this. Even in Christ's birth, God was honoring women. Uh, and look at, look at this verse. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And notice how it, like, it singles it out. Born of woman. And, and why is that important? Because many people have blamed Eve for the fall of man, right? And, and how many times when, when something goes wrong do you blame Adam and Eve? Be honest, right? It's their fault. But many times throughout history, people have blamed Eve for all of our problems and and I love how God restored that and changed that and said, no, wait, through a woman comes salvation. Through a woman, Christ will be born, the second Adam. Amen. So we're going to look at three snapshots of Mary's life, two from the beginning and one from the end. And there are others. Uh, you know, if we had a couple hours, we could get into a couple more, but we're just going to do three of them today. And, and I like how they add up and they say something that helps me remember them. The first one is this, she was available. The second one is this, she was worshipful. And the last one is this, she was enduring, which spells awe. So she was in awe of the Lord, and this is how God used her life. So I hope you can remember three, can you remember three things? Okay, I'm, I'm not, I know this is big for some of you, but we're going we're gonna to try to get three things today. So the first snapshot we have of Mary is in Luke chapter 1, Luke 1, 30. It says this, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, which means God's salvation. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So just pause. That's not a normal kid, right? So, hey, Chris and Kimberly, you're going to have a son, and he's going to reign forever. And you're like, wait, what? Right? Sometimes we just, like, skip over. Oh, yeah, it's the Christmas story. It's cute. And we're like, 
wait a minute, forever? Over David's throne? Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So some people would freak out, run away, doubt. What does she say? She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Basically, let's do this. I I love how God chose someone who had faith and was ready for whatever he asked her to do. And this was a crazy thing. So imagine the scene. You have your plans of a wedding, which was already underway, right? And the white picket fence and the husband and the two and a half kids and the golden retriever, right? She's got all this in mind. I, I don't know what kind of dogs they had, but... So, so she has all this in mind, and then suddenly a grenade goes right in the middle of it. You're not going to have a normal life. You're not going to have a normal marriage. You're not going to have a normal family. No white picket fence. You're going to be on the run. What do you think? And Mary says, yeah, let, let's do it. And, and her plan was replaced by something greater. She had perspective. She was available to God's plan because she saw his mission as more important than her life plan. And, and, and she was able, she was willing to give up her plans because she was available to God. Now, how do you become available to God? You have to trust Him. Right on. Many of us don't trust Him. So we would, I would, if, if, if we took a little survey on the way in and I were to say, okay, um, are you available to God? You would, of course, give the right Sunday school answer, oh, yes, I'm 100% available to God, for sure. And then if we were to sit one-on-one without all the crowd, and I were to say, do you trust him? Some of you would say, hmm, trying. I mostly trust him. I'm trying to trust him. I believe, help my unbelief. I feel like there's a step that has to come before availability, and that's, do you trust God with your future or not? And maybe there have been some bumps, and it's been difficult, and it's been wild, and it's been hard to, maybe your truster is broken. That's a good place to start and say, Lord, help me to trust you so that I'm available for what you want to do. And that is where we want to be rather than, I don't want what God wants for my life. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing is the opposite of God's mission in reaching the planet for his glory. And the enemy wants us to run away from God and not trust him. And have our own plan and say, God, would you please bless my plan? I have a picture in my mind. It's, it's almost like God wants to build a beautiful temple for his glory on planet Earth. And, and we want him to bless our Legos on the kitchen table. <laughs> and he's like, I see that. I, I mean, it's adorable that you're building the, the Lego thing for me or for you. But... Wouldn't you rather be part of my plan? Like, because I gave you gifts and I gave you time and I gave you talent and treasure that you could be part of this. And I feel like we're just in the kitchen working on Legos and saying, God, would you just help these two things stick together? Right? So, man, and Legos, when you step on them in the dark, you know, <laughs> you know they are evil, Right? So the Lord has something much bigger in mind. And I believe that Mary would have said yes 
if the angel asked her to do something small or if the angel asked her to do something big. She was just available and because she trusted him so much. Uh, and and I, I, there's a passage in 2, Corinthians that, uh, 2 Chronicles that says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking for those who are fully committed to him. So just ask yourself, are you fully committed to him and his plan? Can you answer that yes or no or maybe? Just start from where you are. And, and I want to be fully committed to him and to his plan. And Mary was not chained to her plans. She was willing to say, Jesus, your plans are bigger. Let's, let's do it your way. Uh, next snapshot that we have is Luke 1.46. My soul glorifies the Lord or magnifies, some of the translations say. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has helped His servant Israel remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. So this is called the Magnificat, meaning magnify in Latin. And notice Mary knows her Bible. So she is throwing down some big concepts from the whole Old Testament. She's also grabbing Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel, and she's paraphrasing it and making it her own. Like, she's, I want her in our church. Like, she is solid. And right, but right before these verses, her, her cousin, uh, Elizabeth, says twice, you are blessed among women. And remember, the angel said, you are blessed, you are highly favored. And in her, in her Magnificat, she even says, God, you've blessed me. But notice, the focus is not on her. The focus is all on God. So, so she says, I'm, you've noticed me even in my humble state, but I praise you for all the things that you've done for me, all the things that you're doing for our people. So she has this humble, worshipful attitude. So here, here's how these things fit together. Humility and worship are linked. If you think that you are a great worshiper, that's a bad sign. So there's something about having this humility of coming before God's presence, being, being with Him, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of who you are, and yet still being in His presence and understanding who He really is. So if I understand really who I am, I don't even deserve to be here. Like, like, how did he let me in his presence, right? And then if I understand how good and great and amazing he is, worship is the only response. I don't deserve to be here, but you have allowed me to be here? Wow. And someone once said, if you've ever been in his presence, you leave changed. And what's interesting is, is God does not welcome us into his presence to humble us. It's the opposite. We come in humility, he lifts us up. We come on our knees and he says, no, stand up, come be with me. And, and that's a picture of worship in our lives. It's not, woe is me, I'm such a scumbag, just squish me right now. It's, Lord, I'm, I'm coming into your presence in humility and I know that you want me here, even though that kind of doesn't make sense. And then the Lord says, come to me, my child, I love you. Right on. That's a great picture of worship. So, 
So she was available. She was worshipful. And look at, look at that word, worshipful, right? Full of worship, of giving worth to God, not to herself. There's something that happens in our lives sometimes when we focus on what God's doing, even if it's great, even if it's miraculous, or we focus on our own gifts. We're like, ooh, look at what God's done in, you know, look at how he's using my prayers. That we can get off, we can get off course even in that. And we need to keep coming back to, Lord, it's all about you. It's not about me. No one's, no one said amen to that one for some reason. Okay, so she was available. She was worshipful. Let's look at the E. Here's our last picture of, of Mary. We're going to use two scriptures to kind of bring this, bring this together. John 19 says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. So Jesus is dying an excruciating death. And what's he thinking about? His mom. How's his mom going to do without him? And so he gives his mom to his best friend, and he gives his best friend to his mom from the cross. Unbelievable. Now think about this, too. All the other disciples had fled. You got John hanging out with Jesus' mom and a couple of ladies. The ladies were more brave than the men, notice. And they are there at the foot of the cross, risking their own death. And the other disciples are not there anywhere to be seen. I think Mary had the toughest job of any mother in history. I think you could say there isn't anyone that had a tougher job. She knew how significant Jesus' life was. She even knew how significant his suffering was. But I would bet that didn't help with how she felt as she watched all of this going on. She was steady. She never gave up. We see her uh, several times showing up in his ministry. In fact, I love his first miracle. Do you remember the, the wedding uh, in Cana? And, and he's saying, you know, you want me to do what? And, and she says, I want you to make wine out of this water because it helps, it helps the, um, the hosts not be embarrassed in front of all of these people. And I just love how she has this faith in him, even from the early days of like, hey, dude, you got to get it get it moving. Like, go show them who you are. Let's, let's, get, let's get the show on the road. And, and I love seeing this faith, this enduring faith through every step of her life with him. Right on. And um, she never gave up even when Joseph died. At some point he died. We don't know much about it, probably when Jesus was a teenager. And so one theory is that Jesus didn't start his ministry till he was 30 because he was supporting the family as a carpenter to help Mary and the kids get along. And we know that he had brothers and sisters. And so she didn't give up even when that happened and during that whole season. But when her job was finished, right? Cross, grave, resurrection. Okay, so Mary's like, she could like step away and be like, you know, it worked. It worked out. I wasn't sure right in the middle there, but it all worked out. She, she did not step away. So notice what she does next, Acts 1, and I'm going to have you read this with me from the screen. 
So here we go. One, two, three. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is after the resurrection. This is after the Sea of Galilee. They go back in Jerusalem waiting for what? The Holy Spirit to come. Because Jesus said, wait in the city until, until you're clothed with power from on high. Mary's part of it. She's there waiting. So if anybody, how many of you have wanted to retire? Okay, if anybody had a reason to be done, like she could have moved to Tiberias, had a cottage on the, on the lake, and just been like, bye everybody, I did my job. She knew it wasn't over. So she wanted to see the consummation. She wanted to see the end of what her son came to do. She wanted to see the kingdom coming in power, in glory. She wanted to see people reached. She got to see the church born. She got to see Jesus born, and she got to see the church born. No one was with Jesus for his whole life except for her. And she wanted to see it all the way to the end. And the city was turned upside down. Thousands of people believed. And then the gospel spread out through the whole planet. And there was Mary at the epicenter of the whole thing. Wow. What a mom. Right? She endured to the end. So think about these three things. How many things are we thinking about? You guys are good. So which is your biggest struggle right now? Do you think it's being available to what the Lord wants to do and his plan? Do you think it's being worshipful and humble, like daily worship? And that doesn't mean that you are singing, you know, 10 songs a day and that is your daily... It just means that you have an attitude of worship with the Lord every day, whatever that looks like in your life. Or is it about enduring? Some of you, perseverance is like your least favorite word right now. You're like, I don't want to hear that word again. Because, man, it's been tough to stick it out. So think about those three things. And I want to have the band come up as we, as we wrap this all up. So here's what we talked about with being available. What comes first? Trust. So as I was talking about that a few minutes ago, maybe you were sitting there and you're like, I do have trouble trusting him. And so here, here's a way to pray about that. You could say, Lord, I'm having trouble right now trusting you. Help me to see your heart. This thing happened in my life. I don't know why you allowed it. This, this season of my life, I didn't feel you close. This thing doesn't make sense. Bring that to him and say, Lord, my truster is broken right now. I want to be available and useful to however you want to use my life. I don't want to be building my own little thing. I want to be part of what you want to build in and through my life. But right now in prayer, just you and the Lord right now, none of us are here, it's just you. Just say, Lord... I bring you this concern, this part of my life that I have trouble trusting you with. 
And just picture yourself just offering it up to him and say, as an offering. It's a funny offering, but he, he receives it. Just say, Lord, this is the broken part of my, my trust relationship with you. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help me, Lord, to trust you again like I once did. Help me, Lord, to trust you with my future even though I have this fear and that concern and, and this anxiety. And, Lord, help me to trust you. And Lord, through that, make me available to do your will today and next year. Whatever you want to do, Lord, just like Mary, I want to say, let's do it. In advance, Lord, I don't even know what you're going to ask me to do, but in advance, I want to say, I trust you, I love you, and I want you to use my life. And if you prayed that prayer, say amen. Amen. What about daily worship? Maybe you've just been moving a million miles an hour and you don't have time to spend time with the Lord. So let's say that I'm moving a million miles an hour and I don't have time to spend time with my wife. How is our relationship going to do over time? Let's say that I'm moving a million miles an hour and I don't see my kids very often. How is my relationship, right? You see where this is going? We have time for what we prioritize. It's just true. We all have time to go to the gym. We just don't take it, right? (laughs) You're smiling at me because it's true. We have time to do certain things if they're important enough to us. And, and if your life is too crazy to spend time with the Lord, move to Tennessee. Amen? Um, but I, I also want to say this. Some of you um, don't move to Tennessee to escape, right? Because the Lord needs to keep some light in California to reach this state, right? There's enough light in Tennessee already. But just, just get real, and are you spending daily time with the Lord or not? And what does it take? It takes humility, which means I don't have it all together, and he does. He welcomes me into his presence, and that's awesome. There's nothing better I could do with my time than spend time with him. So let, let's pray that point. Uh, Lord, some of us have not been spending time with you in your word, in worship, in prayer, and we admit it. And Lord, we are committing as a people to worship you daily in humility and expectation. We worship you because you are worthy. Jesus, be the focus of our lives. And if we've been too busy for you, we repent. We say sorry. There's nothing more important than you in our lives. Lord, help us to put business and and hobbies and even stress and other things in their appropriate place so that we can spend time with you daily. Amen. And, and the last one is about not giving up, enduring. Some of you have given up. Some of you, you have a relationship with a kid or with a parent, and you're like, no, nah, I'm not praying about that anymore. That'll never get fixed. Some of you have just resolved, well, this is just what my life's going to be like. Oh, well. I don't see that in, in the Bible anywhere. There are a lot of people that look like lost causes, and they were not. And the Lord swooped in and used their lives for his glory. So if you're in a place right now and you feel like you're just resolved to just quit, to give up, to just bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, I ask that you would breathe your spirit in me. 
I ask that you breathe new energy, new motivation, a new way of looking at this in my life. Lord, my life is yours. Give me a new season. Our God is a God of do-overs. And, and somebody, somebody once said, success is getting up one more time than you fall down. It's never too late for us to say, yes, Lord, use this season of my life for your glory. So if you have given up, let's, let's pray. Let's pray through that. Uh, Lord, I ask for all of us in this room and all of us who are going to watch online, uh, if we have given up in some area of, of our lives, we bring that area to you. We bring our future to you. And Lord, I ask that you would heal this hurt and this tendency to give up and this tendency to just be resolved that that's just all my life is ever going to be. Lord, overcome that by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit in us. Help us to see ourselves from your perspective. Help us to see the rest of our lives as important for your kingdom and for your glory. And Lord, I ask that you would use us in mighty ways and, and help us to never give up as Mary never gave up. Help us, Lord, to get up every time, even if we fall, even if we doubt, even if we freak out. Help us, Lord, to keep pursuing you and get back up and walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. So back to the Tennessee thing. <laughs> Culture is changing. The world is changing. The last two years have shaken things to the core. God hopefully has gotten your attention by now that he wants to use your life for his glory. Right so, so it doesn't matter if you gave up six months ago or if you gave up six minutes ago. Or, it's time now to get on track and be with him right and say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to do through my life? And as a church, he's going to use us to impact this community right and far beyond. But it takes each of us being committed to him and being available and being worshipful and enduring to the end. Amen? Amen. So we're going to sing a couple of songs. And, and here's the thing. Our worship flows out of a surrendered heart. And that means I'm no longer fighting for number one. I'm focusing on him because he really is number one. Right? And, and I'm no longer struggling with all these things that I are so... I'm just saying, Lord, what's important to you? There's got to be this transaction of, Jesus, it's about you, it's not about me. So we're going to sing a, a song about surrender and a song about where worship really comes from. So I hope that you will just get lost in it. Hopefully these are songs that you know, and you can just get into it with the Lord and enjoy his presence and give him the gift of worship this morning. Amen. Amen.